0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Diplomacy podcast, brought to you from the Norwegian Consulate General in San Francisco. I'm Gri Rabe Henriksen, the Consul General of Norway. Technology has always played a role in human life, yet over the past decade we've seen this role explode to a degree we can barely comprehend. As tech companies grow in scale, reach and wealth, governments have begun focusing efforts on bringing these new players into the diplomatic discussion. In this podcast, we invite diplomats, researchers, civil society, and tech companies to talk about anything and everything at the intersection between new and emerging technologies, regulations, and its implications. Join us as we explore tech diplomacy.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this tech diplomacy podcast. I'm Cecilie Herslitt, and I'm very happy and honored to have Sigve Brekke in our studio today. Sigve is the president and CEO of Telenor Group, and prior to that, he was leading Telenor's Asia operations for many years. He has also experience from the political life as a state secretary for the Ministry of Defense. Welcome, Sigve. What an honor to have you here.
2: (laughs) Well, thanks for inviting me. I really look forward to our, uh, our chat.
1: First, tell us about Telenor Group. What is the DNA of
2: Telnor? Well, I think I want to answer that question with our purpose. Uh, the purpose of Telnor, uh, as we call it, it's uh, connecting you to what matters most, uh, empowering so- societies. And what we mean by that is that we are in the connectivity business, uh, so we want to connect you to what matters most for you, that's our business model. But at the same time, we want to empower societies. And what that means is that we want to make a difference in the societies where we operate, being in Bangladesh, Pakistan, or back home in Norway. Uh, so it's more to this than just making money and selling SIM cards. So, so that's the that's purpose. That is what's driving us as a company.
1: That's very, very interesting to hear. Telenor is a 54% state-owned company. So much of the dividend goes back to the Norwegian government to build a welfare state. Is that correct?
2: It is, Uh, and uh, we have paid uh, quite a a big amount of dividend dividend over the years, Uh, so we are proud of that as well, that uh, we also can contribute to to making Norway an even better place to to be.
1: That's fantastic to hear. You just came from New York. I'm curious to hear your main takeaway from the UN General Assembly, where Mm. business leaders and politicians met last week.
2: Yeah, I did. Uh, and I often get the question, what, what, what is actually a business leader doing at the, the uh, UN General Assembly? And I think what, you, uh, what we have seen over the years is that more and more business leaders actually are present there, in addition to the politicians. And the reason for that, I think, is that you cannot uh, have a global business today if you are not focused on sustainability goals uh, or if you are not focused on basically trying to, to make the world a better place to be. So what I did there uh, was to participate in several uh, discussions. Uh, and uh, the first one I did was to see how can uh, digitalization be a part of meeting the, the, the UN sustainability goals. And how can we contribute to do that, doing that? But I also participated in meetings uh, regarding how can we take uh, th- those that are not connected to Internet. So five, pe- five billion people are connected to a mobile phone today. But unfortunately, only a little bit more than half of them uh, are using internet. So how can we actually be a part of connecting the unconnected? And of course, also how can we be a part of the green shift, uh, reduce our own commission, uh, carbon commission, but also help others to, with digital tools to do so. So it's, it's really interesting to be uh, in places like this, to meet uh, other business uh, colleagues, um, but also uh, discuss these issues with politicians.
1: This is fascinating to hear. It seems for me that you have ethics and sustainability um, very much embedded in the whole business organization and and communicated from the top. Uh, Is it so that the European companies are in the forefront of the American companies in, in this? Or what is your perspective?
2: Well, I think all... Big company today uh, that are operating globally need to have sustainability goals or what we call it responsible business as a core part of what you do. We have moved from calling that um, more social responsibility, uh, something that you can donate your your out of, into uh, making this as an integrated part of your business model. And I think that, that, that goes without really saying that this is very, very important for us. Not only that we want to kind of tick off this in our annual report, but it's a requirement that our customers have, that we, that we ha- are socially conscious, but also our employees and our partners. So I don't think you can operate with a, a global business model today if, if you are not actually doing something in practice on this, not only talking about it.
1: What does this mean for, for example, Telenor companies in Bangladesh and Pakistan? Mm. Can, how do you ensure responsible business practice in these countries?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. And you know, we have uh, operated in uh, Asia for the last, uh, actually Bangladesh for the last 25 years. And then we have been in, and still uh, we are still in challenging markets like Pakistan. We are in uh, Thailand. We are in, in Malaysia. Unfortunately, we had to leave Myanmar where we really saw how we could make a difference uh, when, when we entered that market. So what they're trying to do is, is to implement those responsible business practices. That's being health uh, safety, for example. We are using health safety as a way for us to make sure that our employees are safe, but also uh, with all the suppliers we are working with. That goes with uh, uh, zero tolerance to corruption as another mm-hmm. example. Uh, reduce our carbon emission is a third example. Uh, uh, Upskilling people to to use the internet is another example. Uh, Working together with um, Girls for Tech uh, is a concept that we are working with in Bangladesh. So so we are trying to use our presence there, uh, uh, but but integrated in the business model, as I said, it's not just paying your way out of this, but actually looking at what what can connectivity mean? Uh, How can we make sure that we are connecting people to internet and also how can we make sure that that connection is safe so so this is why we have been able to survive in this market for for so long time because at the end of the day we are a foreigner end of the day we are a foreigner that make money take um, uh, money out send back to norway uh, but we need to, sh- to show them that we are something more than that. We want to be a part of growing the societies, changing these societies, making these societies a better life, a better place to be. So I'm very proud of, of our Norwegian heritage and the, the standards that we have with us from Scandinavia and that we are trying to also uh, put into this, these countries.
1: This is fascinating to hear. What initiatives do you have in education and training of digital skills?
2: Yeah. I I just did a pledge actually at the UN General Assembly now uh, on this topic Um, uh, because this is one of the sustainability goals, how to upskill people to to, uh, digital upskilling. We have upskilled 9 million people uh, into digital using digital tools. The pledge now was that in the coming two years we will do another 3 million people. So what we do is uh, we are going into the classrooms, for example in Bangladesh uh, markets like that, and we are educating the children on on what what internet can be used for, but also uh, that uh, that internet should be be used in a in a safe uh, way, because unfortunately there are also b- bad stuff happening on the, the So so that's what we call the safe internet campaigns that we are running. So that's one example. Another example is that we. Um, Especially for girls in some of these markets, we are teaching them how to use internet. That in, uh, the, and we are teaching them that internet is not evil. Internet can actually be beneficial. And the third example it's trying to, to promote internet and, and uh, e-commerce as a way of selling products for small and, and medium-sized uh, businesses. So, so we are actively working with all these programs.
1: How can access to technology and internet be beneficial for a farmer in Myanmar?
2: Yeah, take three examples of that. Uh, first, it's that most people in these emerging markets, they don't have a bank account. They are, they are living in a cash economy. Uh, and for example, in Pakistan, we are providing them with mobile money, uh, a bank account, digital bank account. That's, that's one example on how you can include people in the, in the more general economy. Another example is that we we are then promoting uh, internet, and I said e-commerce as a way of selling your products. Uh, If you are uh, either working alone or or with a family business, rather than just doing this the traditional way, the physical way, you use internet to sell your products. And Facebook is a great platform to do that, for example. Uh, A third example, it's, Uh, digital uh, e-learning meaning that we can uh, go into the classrooms and provide them with the digital courses and uh, and such that not all the teaching need to be done the traditional way through a teacher. So those are all examples of digital tools, digital platforms where you can bring people into the the digital world and basically take away barriers that you currently have uh, for for both learning but also for uh, growing your business.
1: Moving on to the green transition, We all agree that climate crisis must be addressed urgently. However, to get there, it takes both political will and strong efforts from the private sector. Mm. How important is the tech company's role and what has Selenor done to contribute to the green and digital transition?
2: Yeah, uh, the technical uh, technology business is very important in two aspects. One is to clean up your own house. And that means to reduce your carbon emission uh, for, for yourself. Uh, and uh, secondly, to, to do that with your suppliers, the scope three part of it. So what we have been pushing is that companies should commit to science-based targets. Uh, and because you have to have targets if you want to do this, you need to set some bold ambitions so for Telenor, for example, we have said that in our Nordic operations, we will be carbon neutral in, uh, within 2030 and we want to reduce uh, the, um, the carbon uh, uh, emission in, in Asia with 50% also in, in 2030. So, so this is a way for you to, to as I said, uh, make sure that, that you are carbon neutral in, in what you do as your business. A little bit even more uh, important part of this is that we are all working with a lot of suppliers. And all those suppliers, uh, you should also put those targets on, such that you have a much wider ecosystem that, that you can, can influence. And in addition to that, and this may be even more important, is the enablement part, that you can use digital tools to help other industries uh, to also reduce their carbon emission. Uh, and we are working actively actually with digital ways of doing that in our B2B business to help others to basically meet their, their ambitions as well. So this is an important part of what we do and the whole techno, uh, techno industry should be focusing on.
1: That's very impressive. So what you're saying is that you're not only improving your own carbon emissions, but also requiring your suppliers, contracting yes. partners to do the same. Yes. That's,
2: that's and Im- enabling others with technology. That's golden standards. I, I would even say so that there is there is no uh, solution on on the world's green shift challenges without technical uh, or digital tools. So so green shift and tech technology or digital shift comes hand in hand.
1: I certainly hope many other companies will follow your lead on this. How does tellnor work on digital security?
2: Mm. Yeah, that's also a, a very good question because um, I call it the 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 perfect storm, uh, and that is when AI comes together with 5G uh, technology and uh, and um, the IoT, meaning that not only uh, people are connected but also things are being connected, and I think we have just seen the start of that. AI is not new; AI has been around for quite a time. What is new? It's the enormous amount of data uh, that connectivity, both uh, people connectivity and thing connectivity, has, has created. That's when uh, AI really comes into, into play. And that's uh, why you see you now AI having a much more dominant position than it had some few years ago. So when these technology forces come together, that's a perfect storm. And in my view, we have just seen the start of it we think that we have digitalized ourselves uh, tremendously over the last few years not least in the in the pandemic but i think that you will see that the way uh, products services are being produced going forward will be very very different also the way the public sector are going to change their way of providing services to to the public is going to be very different so so here we see that um, the there is a a responsibility for us to be a part of that. But on the other hand, this also comes with some, some potential negative effects. And security is, is one of those. Uh, because the more things that are connected, the more data that is being produced, the bigger risk is it that someone also are misusing this too for, for their purposes. So we have a responsibility both to secure our own customers uh, when they are on, on uh, when they are operating digitally, being the, the business customers or the consumers. But we also have a responsibility to help others to do that. So what we are doing in Telenor, and we have been doing this over many, many years now, is invest in a very robust cyber uh, security system that can protect ourselves. And we then have started to sell that as a service also for others. Uh, And we think this is a growth uh, area for for telecom players like ourselves going forward.
1: So you're actually selling a product that will... Warned about the cyber attack, is that correct?
2: Well, not warned, but I more say that we are selling a product where we can help others to have what we call a defendable architecture, also meaning having an IT system that is as defendable as possible, but also to help them to monitor uh, monitor what's going on in their digital uh, systems. Uh, and then help them if, if uh, someone is attacking them. So it's, it's, it's basically doing what we do for ourselves and selling that as a service also for others. And if you are a small uh, business, smaller or medium-sized business, it's not that easy for you to have the necessary competencies or invest enough in setting up a, a defendable architecture system. So then that's where bigger companies like ourselves will, will come in handy and, and help you with, with protecting your, your systems.
1: We have recently experienced a new iPhone moment with generative AI. Mm. San Francisco is the AI capital in the world. Mm. 35 or 50 AI companies are based here in Silicon Valley. Mm. What do you see as the greatest opportunities for AI?
2: Yeah, I don't think anyone can answer that question, because the development is now happening so fast. Uh, so, uh, just a year ago, people didn't even talk about uh, generative AI. But trying to then at least focus on three areas. I think you will see AI uh, being used to make our your production more efficient, so you can produce your services and your products in a more efficient way. You can basically automate your services to a larger extent than you do today. The other area, it's uh, d- to uh, to improve your customer uh, relationships. So uh, and companies that that take uh, AI into use, they can better know you as a customer. Uh, better kind of personalize the offers uh, that, that we sell you because we know you better. But also take away a lot of the customer's uh, pain points uh, to make that whole customer journey smoother. And the third area is to produce new products and services. Uh, and that I think it's, it's yet to be seen what, what type of new, new services will come out of this. And then back to your security question. Uh, of course, the more advanced uh, the, the bad guys out there <laughs> are also using AI in security attacks. Uh, you can also use AI to defend yourself in a, bet- a better way. So, so there's a lot of things that AI will come into to play in, across all sectors, but not only business sectors, also the, the, um, the, uh, the public sector.
1: So how will AI influence our daily lives? And what are your advices to us? Should we learn how to
2: use AI? Well, first, if I should give an advice to anyone that is listening to this, pl- please spend some time to get uh, yourself to understand the basics of AI. A lot of people talk about AI, but you may not really know what it is. There's a lot of courses out there on the basic understanding of what AI is and what AI can do. And the reason I'm saying that, I, that I think AI will, will influence you regardless of what type of job you have uh if you work in the tech sector as i do or in the the more government sector as you do or if in the the, the uh, diplomacy uh, sector that that we are also talking about there or in the in the health industry or whatever uh, ai in one way or another will influence you so so you should feel basically almost a duty to get a f- basic understanding of this Then to your question, yes, I think that a lot of um, processes will change with using AI to make them more efficient. Uh, And um, will AI take away a lot of jobs? Yes and no. They will replace some routine works, definitely. But at the same time, you can get people to focus on things that AI cannot do. Think about a doctor, for example. Uh, A doctor may use AI to screen Thousands of pages to fi- figure out what what is actually the the problem that this patient has, uh, and then rather use the, the doctor's time to uh, human interaction because that AI cannot do. Rather than just use spending time on flipping through books and, and 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 studies. So that's one example of this. So I think you can you can think about AI as changing some some jobs. Uh, But not necessarily taking away a a lot of of, uh, number of of jobs, Uh, but but the the, the content of a job may may be different.
1: Yesterday, OpenAI launched voice and images to the mix, so you can actually talk to our chatbot now. Mm -hmm. This also creates risks, for example, they can copy your voice. Uh, this leads me to sort of the growing understanding of the risks and downsides of AI, and there is a call for some kind of regulation. What is the industry's responsibility, and what is needed from the governments?
2: Yeah, I, I cannot answer that on behalf of industries because there are different views on that, but uh, I can answer it on behalf of Teronor. We have uh, asked uh, governments for Uh, that it's time for a regulatory action here, uh, to make sure that you have what I call ethical uh, AI regulations. Uh, And I think that's that's a role for the the government. Of course, we will will claim as as a business that we are ethical in the way we use uh, AI. But I don't think you should assume that this will happen by itself. I think you need some regulations. We have been uh, asking the Norwegian government about this, and we have also participated in uh, in some EU project on how can EU also have et- ethical AI regulations or rules. And I think this is very important. And I th- I hope that the government will not be too slow here, because this uh, this development happens so fast. So you also then need regulations or policies that are following that that tremendous speed in technology changes. So I think th- this is quite important. So,
1: a clear message from you on this. I totally agree with you. I think it's the way forward. They say that sometimes Europe regulates, but the U.S. innovates. And the Norwegian government, they have announced earlier this month that they will use 1 billion Norwegian kroners in AI research, which is fantastic. But in general, it seems to me that Europe is a little bit behind the U.S. on innovation. What is your reflection on this?
2: Yeah, that's a worry. In the tech sector, that's a worry. And one worry I have on that is that Europe is too fragmented. There are too too many small uh, initiatives and too many relatively small, for example, in our sector. Let me take the telecom sector. There is more than 200 mobile operators across Europe. In the US, you have three. Uh, so we don't have the scale enough in Europe, uh, and we are not able to to scale up the initiatives that the EU is talking about either. Uh, and that's why you have challenges up against the hyperscalers or the big platform players in, in the US. Having said that, that uh, I liked what you said that uh, Europe is uh, regulating and the. US is innovating but I don't think it's black and white on this because uh, Europe could also innovate uh, and uh, a lot of technology innovations over if you look back in the history actually came from from Europe. Think about the mobile phone itself. Uh, the first generation of mobile phone actually came from not even Europe, but the Nordics. The <laughs> N- NMT <laughs> <That's> standard. <laughs> so, so, but this is an important discussion in in uh, in EU. I will say, to how can we make sure that we are not falling behind there? But at the same time, I don't think uh, I do think that regulations and innovation should should be able to go hand in hand.
1: Do you think we should have global regulation or how difficult is it to operate in many markets with different regulations?
2: Yeah, also a very good question. I, I think it's a little bit wishful thinking to think uh, that we will have global regulations. Uh, but, but EU, of course, uh, should be one market when it comes to this. Uh, and, and the more similarities we have between EU and the uh, US, the better, of course
1: the largest tech companies are now so powerful that they can be seen as influential global actors. What is your reflection on their role in shaping the future?
2: Well, you are right in, in what you said, and, and this could be even, uh, um, even uh, clearer in, in, in the years to come when technology is changing even faster and the potential of the big global platform players become even more powerful. So, but my answer to that, that I also expect, uh, I, was, I think I've used the word expect uh, those players to be responsible, be responsible global partners and be responsible in the sense of developing AI in a responsible way, using technology in a responsible way and take a responsibility for being an, a global actor that is after more than making money. Also think about the empowering societies that, that we have in our purpose.
1: I totally agree with you. Before we round off, Sigva, I want to ask you one thing, because I heard you are playing the drums out in the street sometimes. <laughs> what is your leadership philosophy and how important is it to have fun at work?
2: Yeah, my leadership, philosophy. well, that's a new podcast, but to make it short, I strongly be- believe in what I will say, people are people. Uh, and what I mean by that, that is that uh, 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 people used to be acknowledged. People uh, want to be be um, be seen. People want to be making a difference. People want to to be treated as individuals. That's why in Telenor, one of our behaviors, the cultural behaviors, is be respectful. Be respectful across cultures, uh, across genders, across backgrounds, across uh, uh, hierarchy. Uh, also, in the company, the the, the top guys should also be willing to to, to talk to the ones uh, working lower in the organization. Treat people uh, as people. Uh, that that is my main leadership philosophy. Uh, uh, and if you do that, uh, you will see that any businesses. Uh, are actually people businesses, even though you can call yourself technology business or or energy business in the end of the day, it's people that make the difference. And that's, that's what leaders should be focusing on. And that is what uh, strong company cultures uh, uh, is all about.
1: Thank you so much, Sigve. It's been tremendous to have you here to talk about responsible AI and how Telenor Group empowers societies.
2: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation.